Welcome to Life With Your Dog podcast. Our focus is educating dog owners, enthusiasts and dog trainers about ideas on how to train, manage, live and thrive with our dogs. To teach dogs to live in our society while our dogs teach us how to live in the now. I'm your host Panos Anagnostou. And I'm your co-host Luke Badman. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of Life With Your Dog. My name's Panos and I'm joined by my brother, Luke. How are you, my bro? What is going on? We Just- finally made it to get back on the podcast. I think it's it's been like a while since I've recorded one with you. Um, well, at least I've been, three weeks. I've been six. You. Yeah, I've been crook. I won't, say crook. The, I won't say the word. I never got tested, but I'm pretty sure I had a certain <laughs> sickness. <laughs> Um, because you lost your like, voice for about yeah, a week, Yeah, I lost right? my voice, Fe- not fever, like aches, body aches, and it went for like eight days. So I'm yeah. like, mm, very usually only lasts a couple of days. So I was like, mm, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's it is what it, it you know what I thought it was. But anyway, here we are. How you're are you? Still, you're still alive, alive and kicking, <laughs> alive and kicking. <laughs> yeah, you may you may have a little cough from time to time, and we'll excuse you for that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I've been very well, thank you. Um, just rolling with the punches, getting on w- with what we have to do. And that's the second day of autumn. So our cycle of summer is over and now we're get moving on in the year. So I guess just that for me, I like to at least acknowledge the cycle. Sometimes like, yeah, it's autumn. It is what it is. But I, I do believe that we are a little bit of a different version of ourselves as we move through the cycles of the year. So Happy autumn to you and whatever that may bring you, my bro. And and hopefully you have your immunity for the rest of the yeah, year. Yeah, <laughs> I hope so. I'm getting a bit, I was getting a bit over it, but anyway, we're yeah, here. Well, we're here for the people. What are we talking about? Today, I want to talk about genetics versus environment or nature versus nurture. And there's, um, there's so much to it. Obviously, it's the, the depths and the, the integrity of, you know, understanding genetics is obviously very, very deep. So we're going to talk about a very surface level just to bring awareness to people that it's not just about your training and the environmental stimuli that affects your dog's behavior because it's also hand in hand a dog's genetics that comes to the surface, which is what makes a dog's behavior as well. Mm. And of course, same goes with you as a human being and for our dogs that, there's um so there was something that I listened to not long ago, and there was something to the effect of this: you are the shepherd, not the engineer of your dog's behavior. Any individual is a mosaic of their extended family, so you are the shepherd, not the engineer. We aren't making the dogs do anything. We are just harnessing and guiding mm. and and help manifest the behavior because. Their genetics, their DNA, what it is that they were born with is already there and whatever comes out throughout living and environmental exposure, certain genes will turn on and say hello and others will stay at bay. And then, of course, that really does kind of come back to like what we're talking about, I think, with Shara talking about, you know, how we breed our dogs and everything really does affect the way that the, that the end product, the actual dog and what he displays in the world. So 
you know, people ask all the time and it's like the age old question, like the chicken or the egg, you know, which one's more important, nature or nurture or genetics and, and the environment. Mm. And the truth is there is no one is more important, just like which axis is more important to the rectangle, A or B, the height or the width. It's kind of like nature and nurture as opposed to versus, right? Like there's this concept of like you can't put in what mother nature didn't, right? Exactly. Having said that, you know, there's certainly an element of the way that you raise a dog, the way you train a dog, right? Otherwise, why would we bother training them in the first place? Exactly. If it was all just down to nature. Yeah, 100%. So, so talking about which axis is more important of the rectangle, is it the height or the width? And the, and the, the answer is there, there is no which one is more important. You can't have one without the other. There is no rectangle without the yeah, width or without the height. Otherwise, it's not a rectangle then. It, it, it? It's just a straight line, right? Yeah. So, so, there is, so when, if you think about the rectangle being the dog and you know, nature being axis A of height, for example, and B being nurture, which is the width, then it's those two together, which is what creates the outcome. Like there is no, there is no genetics. There's no DNA without an environment for it to live in. And you may as well not even acknowledge an environment if there's no DNA there to even recognize it. So, so they're like, they, ha- they are one of the, the exact same thing in a way. And if you know anything about like epigenetics talking, and that's like obviously a very complicated topic, but the essence of it is that we have the ability to change our genes through the way that we live. If there were two twins, one had a very healthy lifestyle, the other one had, let's say, a destructive lifestyle, they'd, at the end of their life, even though they were the exact same makeup genetically, there will be a difference at the end of each of those lives because of how we affect the genes. So we can, I think, I think the point of changing behavior and trying to modify your behavior, I do believe we can change the genes maybe over a very long period of time, but it's the genes that need an environmental trigger for it to turn on or to turn off. Like some, someone may be predisposed to have diabetes, but may not get diabetes. They're going to have it, like have, have experienced the disease. As long as they look after their diet, for example, where if they ate lots of sugary food, and didn't look after themselves, then, then I then of course you can switch may those, those genes can be switched on. Now, interestingly, when you think about it, that is nurture affecting nature, yes, right? Because it's exactly. like the nature is there. You have a predisposition to um, X Y Z disease or condition or whatever, but it didn't switch on until the. The, the the nurture or lack of nurture, I guess you could say, element came into it. Yes. Right? Exactly. Well, you nurtured- a, well, They're a, hand in hand. You, you nurtured the gene to become a thing. So another to thing- To switch that, on the nature. Yeah. Exactly. Because the environment brings forth the genetic expression and the potential for that genetic expression. So, so when it talks about you are the shepherd, not the engineer, and th- that, that quote was more about talking about children- and that you can't engineer your child to be a certain thing. You can only shepherd to bring forth what is in their potential. So, and then of course, that just, of course, relates to dogs because the, the, we have us as owners have the ability to control and to provide for our dogs. So it's the exact same thing. And I thought it's really cool. So every dog that's born is born with a genetic bandwidth. 
like a certain capability. The ceiling, of, yeah. Yeah, like, the, you know, that glass ceiling. Yeah, well, like a, fir, a fur ceiling, I guess you could say, right? Totally, right? That it's, that it's it, you can never go higher than what it could be and it can never go lower than what it can't be. So, for example, a Kelpie, ha- like, you know, we'll just talk about, well, let's talk about my dog. We'll talk about my dog, Spades, versus your dog, Shadow, mm-hmm. that they have two different genetic bandwidths and that they can't be, like, and maybe if you cloned your dogs and you can have the exact same genetic bandwidth and then whatever you do within your training will turn on those certain genes, which then means you'll get success of whatever it is that you're trying to teach. Even just, sorry, I had a a sideways thought for a second. Go ahead. Even the concept of cloning anything, well, let's say a dog, is interesting because if it is truly nature and nurture, then you're only really cloning the nature. So how do you say like these two dogs are the same? when they're never going to be like raised in exactly the same way. You know what I mean? Like no two dogs, even if you tried to, there would be elements to their raising, their, let's say their nurture, that would be different. So even though the, I guess the DNA or whatever, the genes are exactly the same, it's not the same dog really, if you think about it. Well, and it can't be, right? And I think it's so far out of my wheelhouse to even talk about or even think about how they even select dogs and do breeding programs and how do they have an end goal with the dogs they have. Like that's very fascinating. And hopefully we can get somebody on the show that can kind of. Someone who's us. a lot smarter than us. Yeah, exactly. Explain it for us. Um, but I think it's important to to think that if there is a genetic bandwidth, so for example, you're taller than me. So the things that require you to do what you are able to do because of what your genetic makeup is, is what like you can't compare you to me and I can't compare me to you because we have a different genetic bandwidth. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think that's important to acknowledge within your dog that like, so I was speaking to somebody today getting a 10 week old puppy and he said, I want to make sure that the dog can come to the beach with us, go to the spot. No, 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 this, no, that. And like, you know, basically saying, I want the dog to be able to travel with us, go everywhere with us and be able to do all the things that we do with no reactivity. Cause he had dogs that, that have had reactivity issues and all this stuff. And I'm like, yes, for sure. That is the goal that I would like you to be able to have as well. But you getting this puppy doesn't mean that, you know, what's going to happen in the next six months or 18 months. And I couldn't even tell you what that puppy would end up to be. Now, of course, we're going to set the situation up as much as we can, good management, good training, good conditioning, so that we can achieve the goals that we that we want. And a lot of times we can cover certain issues and behavioral problems with obedience training. Your dog's reactive. I can make him look like he's calm, but if I left him to his own devices, he may run up to that dog and jump on it and maybe bite it. So I guess... It's important that we acknowledge, even if you have a young dog, that you're working with the dog that's in front of you. Whatever's in front of you is what you've got, and you're going to try to make your dog better than they were yesterday in conjunction towards the goals that you're aiming for for your dog. Mm. But not all dogs are going to be like it's, and I think it's important that the trainer doesn't come to make the dog be the robot to be able to be cool with everything. We will try our best to be able to make that magic occur, but not all the time it will happen. And we have to acknowledge that, well, the dog it's has an its genetic. It's a living creature. like it- Just like my son, I'm like, he's going to be, you know, a ninja warrior and he's going to be able to do all those sort of <laughs> obstacles and whatever. Like, I don't know. I can train him as much as I can to be able to do that. But also he may not have that expression that excels at that specific thing. And he might and- just not want to do it. 
And that, but that's a point because I think yeah. if he would want to do it, I think it's a genetic expression to be like, I love to do that. Yeah. Possibly. Like, you know, when you have like a talent, it's because there's something that's been passed on from your genetics. Like the way that we reincarnate in a way, I don't think we should only think of it as a spiritual con in the spiritual context. We should probably see it as, well, when I pass my DNA to my offspring, they carry a part of me within them and that we reincarnate through our gen through our DNA, through our genetics, through through breeding, through mating. That's how on on the physical plane we can reincarnate. So that my ancestors are still are still living within me because if I could meet my great 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 grandfather, he was probably exactly like me. Maybe. Um, oh, that's pretty interesting. So um, and if you can be around enough dogs, can you see like and if you can control the the breeding um program that you can be making basically a copy of each dog as you've refined that bloodline. But then the problem with that, of course, comes up with like inbreeding and things like that, I guess can cause the issue. So you have to keep introducing new dogs, which then changes it. Cause unless we're doing this within a laboratory and creating dogs, like the actual engineer that we say yeah. that we're not, yeah. we are still just the shepherd to our dog's behavior, not the engineer. And I think that is where the art comes into it. And I'm taking away the science a bit. Because dog training is an art. It's a feeling. It's a sense. It's a craft. It's about getting into certain habits to create what you're looking for. And also there's like a love for it. There's a feeling to it rather than thinking about it as, well, I'm going to do the things because this is what it's going to be. And yeah. I just don't think that honors the dog as much. And also it sets you up for, for failure if you think you can do that or if you think a trainer can do that. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like, the, what do they say? The dis the um, satisfaction or happiness or whatever is the distance between your expectations and your reality, right? So it's like if you set yourself up with too high expectations, not taking into account these factors, especially around nature, like genetics is a very, not very, but like I feel like people just don't, or they just kind of like assume that you know, I'll just go to XYZ, you know, um, breeder and just get a dog and it'll just be like you know what i mean like that the breeding of that dog is necessarily up to scratch but they it may not be does that make sense for sure you know like for example i also thought about this whether this is something that is valid or not but we in in a breeding program they specifically select dogs to mate so that they can create a specific outcome like it it's very arranged yeah and chosen I think for certain characteristics. For sure. I think also maybe there's something to be said about arranged marriages and that my I like my as my as the 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 authority of this family, I can acknowledge that family's traits and that there's an opportunity for our families to get together and and you know we marry we marry our offspring to each other so that you know, we create the family to be strong financially and 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 um and socially and all that, and that uh, we would like within our family to create more of what we could produce from this. Again, it's just a thought, people. So don't be too upset with me if that triggers you. <laughs> um, but I think there's maybe something to it where, like, if you think, well, your brain's not fully formed until you're 25 to make like rational, long-term decisions. However, you're ready to make babies at 14 years old. So I think maybe there's Physically, something to be yeah. said about yeah, yeah, yeah. about the the and, and people were getting married and having kids a lot younger than what we are today because of that's what social social norms and cultures were like, and I think maybe there was something to be said about 
I can acknowledge the, the genetics and the habits, the environment and the, the, um, the genes of, of a certain person. And I would like to create more of that. And again, I think that's, that, that could be something that's thoughtful rather than, and maybe there was something to that compared to, well, I'm just feeling love for this person and I'm going to get married to them. I'm not, I'm not discounting that, but I think traditional people that do still do arranged marriages are like, no, but that's ridiculous. How do you even know what's good for you in the next 20 years? But we've lived and lost. So just like, oh, but my dog really likes Lucy. I'm like, no, but we're going to breed with Roxy because she's going to make the best puppies that we want. You know what I mean? So yeah. if people and breeders are selecting certain breed, um, certain characteristics and hoping that that will pass on to the offspring, then when you receive that dog, or even if it's just accident, like, you know, just dogs just happen to mate, mate and you have a dog now, acknowledge that even if you're looking for a dog or that you're trying to select what are we going to do with this dog moving forward, you have to acknowledge what he actually is compared to what you think you can make him become. And I think it, I think it will, it will help a lot of people reach less failure because at least they know what they're working with. Like you may have a dog that is super anxious and, you know, fear aggressive. And if you knew their parents and grandparents and great grandparents, you'd be like, look, you can like see it's like the exact behavior, mm. you know? Um, now, not all the time that's the case, but a lot of the times, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, right? Mm-hmm. That you're not that much of a difference from your parents. And maybe as we get a little bit older, we start to see, oh my gosh. I said, I said that thing that always does my head in, but I know that now, did we say that thing? Because, well, I'm the same genetic, like, you know, I'm an offspring of my parents and I'm just predisposed to say something like that. Or is it because it's an environmental thing? You learned that it's more likely that it's a learnt behavior, but some behaviors aren't learnt behaviors. Some behaviors are merely, um, so another thing that is important here is like, so this relates to and when we're referring to type of drive, level of drive, temperament, health, social behaviors, anxiety, and aggression are just to name a few. So your genes, your DNA will dictate your type of drive. So for example, spades, I could I couldn't, it's like saying, I'm gonna um adopt a dog tomorrow. I get him, I bring him home and I call someone up and I say, hey, I want this dog to have enough drive that he wants to work really hard for the ball. And you have spades in front of you and you're like, dude, that dog ain't chasing shit. (laughs) He he doesn't want it. He has no desire for it. He hasn't got it in him. That's, I can't, I can probably teach him to take the ball and like, you know, and, you know, shape that behavior and it'll be a learned behavior. Well, in Chile, on the hand, I don't have to teach him anything about the ball. He already inherently loves the ball. So Same much. with Shadow. Yeah. So the prey drive is there, but in spades, the prey drive in that for that in that expression of it in that form isn't there. I can't make that happen. So I think that's very important. That's kind of what I'm what I'm referring to. Or you know, you adopt or you know purchase a, a very nervous dog, and yes, there's some nervous dogs that I've seen many nervous dogs I've seen, that we've been able through behavior modification and training mm. be able to solve those problems. A dog lives a happy-go-lucky life and all is well. Mm-hmm. But there's certain dogs that are like they just they just don't change. No matter who they've seen, what they've done, just, it's just in them. And that maybe, of course, because of unfortunate learned behavior, learned experiences have validated that expression or 
or they were just always going to show that behavior. Um, and, and I do believe that. I believe that, you know, that it, my expression, and this is just how it is, is that when I get frustrated, I'm more likely to get angry than to get upset and cry. That's just. Just yeah. your personality or just, like your, it's your nature, right? It's, I think it's my nature. I don't think I've learned it because I've seen both ends of what, you know, frustration can make upsetness or can make anger. So I just think that that's just part of what it is. And of course I'm not angry every time I get frustrated because I've learned to change my behaviors according to the situation. Nurture to control your nature, right? To control it. Now, mate, now harness it. Can I change it? Maybe if I can create routines and rituals and habits that I can affect me, my son, his son, and his son, then maybe we can change it over time probably, and maybe with a good breeding program, we can outbreed that behavior if it doesn't serve us anymore. I don't know. Mm. Like it, it becomes very deep because, you know, I talk about, we talk about aggression. Aggression is more prevalent in certain dogs than others because that's just their makeup. And, and of course, through breeds, like a certain breed will have a certain characteristic and a temperament, and then each individual dog on top of that will have their own unique expression just because he's a German shepherd doesn't mean he always, you know, be aggressive because that's like, you know, the typical kind of assumption. German shepherd will be aggressive and the cavoodle will run away. Well, there's some cavoodles that will run at you and bite you when they feel threatened and other, and there'll be German shepherds that run away from you when they feel threatened. It's not, not all breeds are the exact same dog because of course. And two, two dogs of the same breed or maybe even the same litter could have more variation between them than let's say one German shepherd and one Labrador. Yeah. You know, it's the same as people like just because you are a certain race or color, let's say there's two of people of that race or race or color, they could be so much more different despite their, let's say they're the same race versus one person from one race and another one from another. Yep. Exactly. hundred percent. It's just like when people say, look, why is this German shepherd so anxious and like I can't leave him alone and he, and he, the, the way he acts when he sees dogs, it's, it's, it's outrageous. All the other German shepherds I had didn't do that. And I'm like, yeah, but like did you like copy and paste him? Like mm. it's a different animal. It's a different individual just because yeah. he looks the same. It's like ridiculous. It's like saying all Greek people do that and all African people do this. <laughs> like it's just it's, so, it's too general. To um to to be like well this German shepherd should be like this because my other German shepherds weren't now of course you have to acknowledge each German shepherd this individual's had let's just say lives a minimum of ten years or eight years that's like thirty years ago so you're a different person than you were thirty years ago so your life's different so that could be one thing it could also be that you just chose a dog that looks the same from a different bloodline altogether. If you look back their family tree, they're a different animal um, basically. And that they have their own way to express themselves. That's why I say to people, if you're trying to look at a litter of puppies, I think you're more, you're better off looking at the adults. I mean, sorry, the parents of the, do- of the puppies rather than looking at the puppies and trying to assess, Oh, this puppy's going to be like this. Oh yeah. This one's going to be best for you because you just can't tell. 
some puppies are going to be a certain way. And at six months old, they just turn on and they wake up. Some puppies at 10 months old, they they wake up and they become a whole different thing. It's very hard to see Leonardo, even at three and a half years old, my son, and then to know what he's going to be like at 30. I could see him at 30 and going, oh, yeah, I know how you were and what you're going to become. So you may, if you're well-versed and you see lots of dogs, you may be able to have a general vibe, but you can be so wrong all the time. You just don't know. So it's um, so it's important to acknowledge that because – some things can't be guaranteed or created, but they can be influenced and modified. So you you may have, so like, for example, you can't guarantee or create the drive, but you can influence and, mod- and modify it a little bit. You can kind of try mm-hmm. to, there's a little bit there. I want to try to get a bit more out of it. Can I squeeze a bit more drive out of there? Or can I create a bit more of a want for this? But to force Spades to go get the ball to bring it back to me, he's doing it for another reward, not for the ball, where Chile just wants the ball mm. to be thrown. That is the reward. He'll bring it back Inherently, to you as quick as he can. The, yeah. It's just The game there. is only in bringing it back and getting you to throw it again. Exactly. Like some people are really into martial arts. You couldn't even take – you couldn't drag them away from it because their genes scream for it, where others are like, this is horrible. <laughs> There's no meaning in my life. So it, that's that's not like I'm going to teach you to be a martial artist. You may learn to fight, but you may not love to fight, like within that context. And um, and I do believe that it is and it's an inherent thing and we have to – I don't know, I think we've just – because we've learned about psychology and we've learned about training and modifying behaviour and all that, because we've we understand that it's powerful, we think that's the only thing. And I think if we turn our back on the fact that there's some importance with, you know, your what you are, your DNA, I think there's something to that. And then, of course, there's there's a lot of times where people think, oh, yeah, it's just in these genes. And I'm like, I think this is a total learned behavior and I think you could change it. So it, it, I never swing one way or the other. I think it's more, most important to be to learn the art of observation, observer behavior. Just like health, I think is like, you know, Spades is more predetermined, predisposed, predisposed, predetermined to have predisposed, yeah, to have to have um, skin allergies and yep. to have bad skin. And I know that because he's lived in different environments for many, many years, and it's a constant that happens throughout his life. Like if I'm not careful of what he gets exposed to, he'll flare up. He gets um, those hot spots and whatnot. It's a hot spot. Yeah. So, like, for example, we didn't flea treat for a little bit. Kitten was outside, comes in. He got fleas. Everyone got fleas. So, everyone had to be cleaned and flea bond and everything. Um, and in that time, I knew that there was a flea outbreak, not because I saw a flea, but because I saw Spades' skin was red and inflamed. I'm like, ah, oh, there's fleas. So, um, mm-hmm. so where Chili got bitten and Nookie got bitten, there's no redness on them. You couldn't even tell that they had fleas. They weren't even scratching or anything. So, I like I can help Spades' skin by giving him the supplements, feeding him right, you know, keeping him clean and all that sort of stuff. But I don't I just don't think I will fully eliminate it. I'll mitigate and manage it because that's just his expression. Like I get hay fever and, and asthma issues um from environmental stimulus, but you know, someone like Tanya doesn't won't sneeze and she's great. Yeah, no, yeah. there's not nothing, zero. So now I, I get that because my dad has bad allergies and asthma. So he gave it to me, but not my sister. So yeah, right. like it's it, like we have to see it that if I'm having a hard time breathing, I would say, yes, it's spring and I'm outside and I just ran through the, you know, the field of like, you know, flowering grass, like I'm screwed um, where 
So that could be my downfall. Now, if I was running a race and I got a hay fever attack and I couldn't breathe properly and I failed at the race, you couldn't be like, more training for you, sir. You'd say, we have to manage and mitigate your your um your your allergy and the allergy isn't a learnt behavior i didn't learn to be allergic i am allergic because of my dna so at a certain point that dna got switched on like maybe it wasn't there maybe it wasn't switched on when you were born right and maybe it's still in your sister maybe it could switch on at some later stage this is like these are the questions anyone can develop any allergy at any point in their life rachel and i went to um like a prenatal first aid on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And the midwife was telling us that. And I was like, I didn't, I, didn't, I was like, I didn't not know that, but I think I'd kind of forgotten it. I was like, yeah. oh yeah, you're right. People can just develop like random allergies. So you could, you can wake up tomorrow with a peanut allergy, like deadly, you know, like it could just happen. So it's like, was that in, was that in you since you were born? Like what, what caused yeah. that to be switched on? Th- these questions like really need, have like a geneticist here right to be able to get into like the mechanics of it because it's so we could make an assumption but just like dog training you're like why does my dog bark and i'm like there could be like 50 variables of what creates the barking and it can't just be one you know so i I think i do believe the same thing well this is another interesting thing so i heard and this is like maybe a little bit woo woo so bear with it um but i heard someone maybe his name was neil kramer anyway this was years and years ago. He said, your DNA knows what your environment you're in and your DNA responds more appropriately to the land in which it came from. So, for example, if my, when, if my body was in Greece right now, it'd be more comfortable and have like less ailments maybe yeah, compared right. to being in a foreign, like, you know, I, I have Greek DNA and Cypriot DNA and I'm in, Australia, Australia. Yeah. like it's such a like the people that were that were you know the natives of this land have a you know even just genetically for aboriginal people and i think this is the case for a lot of native people is that they and i think we talked about this on, with Narelle that they that they the way that they process refined sugar doesn't exist in the same as a european who consumes refined sugar our bodies know it because we like made it, I guess, you know, our ancestors were responsible ages ago where they, Aboriginal people weren't consuming refined sugars. So that's why they have like higher rates of diabetes and everything else that they're eating the, you know, the Western refined foods has, that their DNA has not switched been able. that on or like not switched it on, but like hasn't been able to handle it. I guess you could say like, their, well, they also say like, you, know, you should built to take that well, I mean if we really want to get into it neither were ours right no exactly exactly but like pasta for example can be tolerated probably better by an Italian compared to um you know a Cambodian maybe I don't know yeah, maybe or, or, or they say eat the food that your ancestors came from that could be most biologically appropriate to you you know and um and I think that's all very interesting conversations. Not that I fully 100% am for one or the other. I just think that there's, there's something to that. And I also think the same thing of, well, I have like an extreme pollen allergy. Do you think if I'm in Greece and maybe I have to go back to Greece just to test this, um, if I'm going to have the same allergic reaction to the pollen there compared to the pollen here? Because they're different trees. It's a different ecology, different vegetation. 
It's just, just that my DNA doesn't understand this environment as well. Anyway, um, these are just me thinking out loud. I'm not saying this is the answer. <laughs> don't, be, <laughs> don't be fooled. Um, but I think it's just very interesting, this sort of topic about the relationship between gen- genetics and environment. They they aren't separate. They have to be so close together. And I think, you know, um, as I mentioned at the beginning, there is no genes without an environment and there's no recollection of an environment without any genes, without any DNA. So I think they are on some paradoxical level, like a whole as above, so below, is that they all would come together. There is no separation of it because it wouldn't be a rectangle without the height and the, and the width, you know. And, um, and then also, as I mentioned before, you have to work the dog that's in front of you. Don't try to engineer something that's not from the dog. How about you just bring forth what is potential in your dog and that's how you have the best dog. That's sounds, awesome. That sounds fair to me, to be honest. I yeah, think that's I think- what most people are doing, right? They're just trying to do the best that they can with the dog that they have using the skills that they have. And like, if they even find themselves listening to something like this, they're already in like the top probably five, 5% of dog owners. In well, terms I think of- it's important even for trainers to acknowledge it because you are working with that dog that's in front of you and the owners don't know anything. They're just waiting for you to tell them what to do. So you need to bring forth what's available for that dog. And I guess through lots of experience, you know how to be able to do that, especially with behavioral issues like aggression, reactivity, you know, anxiety. They're very difficult things to work on. And for you to be able to condition the dog to feel otherwise I think it's most important to understand that biological fulfillment and the biological fulfillment is all about fulfilling the biology of the dog, the genes, as well as giving the fulfillment is the environment part of it. It's about what you do and what you, what stimulus you provide your dog with for it to become a thing. So I think it's real fascinating. It's kind of, it's, it's kind of trippy. It's a little bit psychedelic in that, in, in the way that when you start going deep into it, is that, they both buzz on the same level. It's um, it's pretty cool, you know what I mean. But um, mm. but I hope I've sparked some interest or even just some thought about that. And even on the same thing for you, you know, you may want to like. I remember, you know, when I was around like nineteen, twenty, lifting weights, and I was putting on some weight. I could put on like fifteen kilos of muscle. Like I was putting on, like wow. I was bodybuilding, right? <laughs> I was doing some good shit with the um, with myself. And um, but the problem was is that my body kept failing and I probably need like proper training, but you know, her double hernias and like knee issue, this, that. And I came to the realization that, wait, I'm training wrong. I'm trying to like become big and strong. And I'm like, not a big framed, big sort of person. I'm like, I should be, if I'm looking at what my body should look like, it's probably more like a Bruce Lee look like a lean sort of smaller frame, but I could still be powerful and strong rather than trying to be like an Arnold Schwarzenegger big. Not, not that I was trying to be like either or both of them, but to make the comparison that I'm just not the big unit and that just is what it is. So I have to train according to my genes. Just because a guy next to me is like pumping, you know, ridiculous amount of weight and it looks like a, you know, um, like Arnie. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger literally, but that doesn't mean that that's the thing. So I think it's also what we're, what we're conditioned and influenced culturally, socially um, to be able to do as well. And I think that's also something that's kind of worth um, explaining anyway. Yeah. Agreed. I think without 
with the limited, like obviously we've got some hands-on experience with this um, and more about, you know, providing input in terms of environment being like, you know, a behavior modification training sort of um, perspective. The genes part of it is like really fascinating and, you know, it goes real deep. So, you know, you can look more into it in terms of, you know, I think, when it comes to like genetic expression, I think it's interesting to start looking at things neurologically, not just psychologically, because the neurology is just as important to someone's psychology. And I think the deeper down the rabbit hole you go, the more you start having to understand what's going on, like on a, on a molecular level inside your brain and body. And, um, you know, just a few people to mention that are good at that. And this is not dog related, but I guess there are those those correlations, like, you know, someone like Andrew Huberman um, has influenced. Yeah, I was just thinking, thinking about- if, if any podcast was going to be a good authority, because he was saying earlier, like, oh, we, we should, you know, if we could get so-and-so to talk to us about this, I feel like Andrew Huberman either knows about this or, or like one of his mates does. Well, let's get Huberman on the show. That would be amazing. <laughs> hey, you know, what? I'm going to write it down Yeah, and we're going to, I'm going to reach our, out. I'm going to try my dreams, life. our wildest dreams. Hey, I'm a dreamer. Yeah. I would love to have a chat to him. And look, and who knows? Um, because look, there's obviously many correlations that we're all mammals and that our systems on that sort of level aren't. That's what we should, you should email him and say, Andrew Huberman, you're a mammal. I'm a mammal. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to come on my podcast? <laughs> exactly. Um, but then also, like, you know, if you want to go deep, like, not like Huberman's very pragmatic and a down-to-earth individual, but if you want to go, like, out there, like a Joe Dispenza sort of situation can be um, can be worth kind of having a look at. depends if you can tolerate that or not. Um, but, you know, he talks about – because he was, like, his back well, – spinal cord was broken in, like, many different places. They said he would never, ever walk again, and he believes that through his thought, feeling, emotion – that he was able to like heal himself. And then he doesn't just like, yeah, it could be very woo woo, but the way he explains it is very, very um, technical and that he's gone down that rabbit hole. And I guess my point is, is that we can, we can overcome what we think is impossible because, oh man, that dog's never going to change his ways or, you know, but certain things in people's lives, like, oh, you you'll never, ever not be angry, but some people go through some life experience and shit changes, man. And that's like, you know, I found God again and, and everything's changed. So, you know, I think psychologically we can influence the the physical body, but the physical body is also demanding and changing the psychology as well. So mindset and behavior are always kind of ebbing and flowing um, to create what we see in, the, in, in front of us. So I think I should leave it at that. If there's anyone that wants to add to the conversation or correct us on some madness that we're um, going on about, then I welcome you to to um, <laughs> to let me know that we're talking craziness or that we're spot on. That'd be nice to know. Um, but I think it's very hey, important. Man, this is so. our podcast. We're allowed to talk rubbish if we want to. Yeah, I know. But like, I like to learn as well. You know, I know that we're teaching and then we're sharing some information. Um, sometimes some real good gems come from from nonsense as well. You know what I mean? So, um, and it's happened a few times on the show. Like I'll say something and then someone will message me like, it's actually this or that. I'm like, that was really cool. I'm so happy that I heard that. Um, so yeah, I don't want to live my, because two years ago I would have thought a different topic, thought, thought about a different thing on this topic. So, um, so that's yeah. why it's, it's also important to keep an open mind. Otherwise, you know, we're screwed. Agreed. All right. Well, until next time, 
you all have a very good night and or day when it were you know it's 8 30 at night now so have a good day or night and we'll see you on the next episode goodbye laters thank you for listening to another episode of life with your dog please share with your friends if you're enjoying our podcast and leave a review on apple podcast to help others find the show you can also find us on instagram and facebook life with your dog podcast my name's panos and to keep up with my dog training adventures tips and techniques you can find me on instagram at np underscore dog underscore training my website npdogtraining.com or my youtube channel nutris pooches thanks for listening guys my name's luke if you'd like to find out more about my dog training services you can find me at www.kizuna that's k-i-z-u-n-a canine c-a-n-i-n-e dot com dot au uh, i'm also on instagram at kizuna canine training thanks again and we'll see you next time